I was just going door to door and, and calling friends and selling our box chocolates. Um, you know, people who worked in law firms saying, hey, use this as your executive gifts for the holiday. And that was kind of how it really started. Hey, what's up? I hate long podcast intros, um, so I know what I'm about to do is going to be somewhat abrasive, but I apologize in advance if you want to just skip ahead uh, about, I don't know, 90, 120 seconds. um, We'll get right to the conversation with Chris Edwards about his family's chocolate factory, Um, but I just want to digress a little bit and talk about, I, I love podcasting. I love that you listen to this show. It is amazing to me that with this, you know, $100 mic and uh, some software on my computer that my voice gets streamed into so many ears and so many people take time out of their day to listen to this show. And I just have an amazing time with it. I love talking to these different entrepreneurs, these change makers, uh, folks in the nonprofit space, folks folks who are doing mission-driven work. Um, that's something that is really aligning for me and a lot of fun. But an interview like the one that you're about to hear has an added component to it um, that I can't completely convey in the audio that I produce or if you follow along on YouTube or Instagram on some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, So I I just wanted to quickly summarize what the experience was of going to the Edward Mark plant in Lawrenceville. Um, they've, They've been around there in Lawrenceville for more than 100 years. And in addition to this interview with Chris, the head of marketing, Daniel Reese, was a fantastic, fantastic host. Um, Him and Josh Suskin took us all around and gave us a tour of the plant, which has some proprietary uh, setups and devices. So we couldn't film in there. We took a few like close-up shots um, and a photo of TJ and I, uh, one of the Piper Creative interns, in our our gear that uh, like hair nets and everything before we went out there. But it was so cool to see everything that goes into creating these chocolates at scale. Uh, millions of pounds of chocolate get produced there. It's distributed across the continent by Costco. And so seeing everything that goes into that, the machinery, all the people was utterly fascinating. And then further getting to taste all this chocolate was a treat in and of itself. Um, So I I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Chris and his family have had this business um, in their family for more than four generations. Uh, Started in Pittsburgh. If you're familiar with the Milkshake Factory, they're the folks behind that. Really delicious chocolate. And they have some initiatives associated with sustainable farming of cocoa that are also deeply admirable and uh, setting a standard for that industry that will be having reverberations for decades. So it was really cool to get into their space, to have this conversation. And I'm excited to be highlighting a company very similar to episode 314 with John Dick of Civic Science, where they do a lot of business and yet not a lot of people really appreciate and know uh, about their presence here in Pittsburgh. So please, please enjoy this conversation with Chris Edwards. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Yeah. Start off. Yeah. You work in a chocolate factory. Work in a chocolate factory. That's right. In fact, you co-own it. 
how do you stay in shape or, or how do you avoid <laughs> just eating chocolate all the time? We eat chocolate every day here. Um, we have right now, it's a lot of, you know, new product development. We work really, work really closely with the R&D team. Um, it was just, it used to be just my brother and sister and I doing it. And now we have five food scientists on staff and they're an amazing team. They, they really develop all the flavor profiles that come up with the ideas, come back from our meetings and then give them these ideas that the buyers from these big retailers from Costco and Walmart and Target and everywhere come back and they, they have these ideas of what they're looking for and our team's able to do a great job developing them. But right now it's been a lot of milkshake testing for the milkshake factory too, because we're about to launch. Sounds brutal. Uh, yeah, we're about to, ex- exactly <laughs> right. Or is it, we're about to uh, uh, open our new stores and we just made an announcement that we're going to be opening uh, 25 new locations for the milkshake factory. So we're really excited about that. Yeah. And so it's a lot of recipe development for the milkshake factory. That's, I would say that's the most testing that's going on lately, but we are around chocolate and desserts all day long. So here, that's we, awesome. it, it's a, it's a great place to work. And it's not like a, like a wine tasting where you have like something to spit out. You're, you're no, consuming yeah, you it know, the whole you way, can't, right? Yeah. Well, I, I, there are people <laughs> that, that don't eat the whole thing. Yeah. I have a tendency to not be able to control myself. So you're committed. I'm committed. committed. That's a good way to say it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, So one of the fascinating things, and I think we've explored so many different stories on this show, and one that is particularly distinct that you can share with us Mm -hmm. is this is you're, you're the fourth generation of a family to own this business, and you came back to to take the reins here in in the recent past. So. I, I want to, you know, set up the stage for Edward Mark and, and its yeah, origins, yeah. but what was, if you can tie that to or talk to coming in to a family business that has this rich history that you kind of took some yeah. space from and then came back to, what was that experience like? Yeah, the whole, um, coming back into the family business, I mean, we've always, it's a hundred and, we have a hundred and four year history in the chocolate business. And it started with my great grandparents. They came from Greece during the industrial revolution it was a time here in America where Pittsburgh was one of the wealthiest cities in the world. There were more millionaires in Pittsburgh than there were in New York City at the time when they moved here. And it just it, it was a it was a really interesting time to cut to see as as Pittsburgh really had this, you know, this success and all of this wealth that was based here. They had dreams of coming as immigrants where they were going to go. They came through Ellis Island and settled here in Pittsburgh. Um, decided that right here in Lawrenceville, actually 104 years ago, down on 52nd Street, was where they opened their first little chocolate shop, and uh, they learned how to make candy and chocolate in their kit, you know, in their family kitchen, and that was something. A lot of the, a lot of the the Greek immigrants at the time, our family's Greek, they came from Greece. We, you know, a lot of those immigrants at the time were able to, got into food. They got into the food industry, and still to this day, I mean, that's why Greeks own diners and. In Western Pennsylvania, a lot of Greek families are in the chocolate business, and you'd be really surprised to know that. A, a lot of a lot of people are surprised to find out that how many Greek families are own chocolate companies in in Pennsylvania. I uh, I would not have expected that, and I'm curious when it comes to the development of these flavors. Like you're you're talking about having the food scientists and having these ideas, like at a super one-on-one level with someone with, without any experience, it's like what, yeah. what type of considerations, like are we saying, well, there's a trend that people want less sugar or more sugar? Yeah. Like what, what kind of considerations we're, are you looking at? We're looking at all kinds of trends that are occurring. I mean, our, our, biggest, our biggest brand that really gave us the growth that we're experiencing now. So going back 104 years, we've gone through 
many different phases of the business over the last 104 years in the family. And most recently, what my brother and sister and I, we had other careers. We, we decided that we wanted to get back into the family business. We we're always drawn to it and because we grew up in it. I mean, this was like, this was our another, it was almost like the business is another family member. I mean, it was like we were, we were in it every day. We grew up down here in Lawrenceville. Um, worked in the business, everybody on the factory floor knew who we were and we were always running around and working with salespeople and people in the floor that were making the product. And so it was a, we brought our friends in and they would, we would bag jelly beans on the jelly bean line. And I mean, we just had a lot of fun growing up in a chocolate factory. So it was, we wanted to come back and work in the business and we knew that we had to change. We couldn't just stay after however many years that that those that branding existed and those boxes existed we never we we knew that we had to make we had to update things we needed to create a new box chocolate line that had a really clean look we created a a whole new brand we actually rebranded the business to be edward mark chocolatier and gave it a really sophisticated classic look that was very timeless and we had new colors the blue and the brown is what really what my brother and sister and i that was our first box chocolate line about 10 years ago that we created and that kind of became the base and the foundation of what we were able to grow. Um, and at the time when we left our other careers, I mean, we didn't have anything. I mean, we were, it's true entrepreneurship of building. We had to all, we weren't able to take salaries at the time. We had to take pay cuts from our previous jobs. We had to figure out how to make it. And we were going, I was, I was just going door to door and and calling friends and selling our box chocolates. Um, you know, people who worked in law firms saying, hey, use this as your executive gifts for the holiday. And that was kind of how it really started. And then I started to get out there and work with, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue. I met some folks who I could figure out how to network in and make a presentation to Saks Fifth Avenue. And they loved the box chocolates. And then we started selling at Saks Fifth Avenue. And then we started really growing the, the, the box chocolate line. And even at that time, I mean, it felt like we were, it, when I talk about true entrepreneurship and we were really growing this business and it was a lot of work at that time. And it's always a lot of work in the beginning when you're, when you're starting something off that's new and trying to, uh, really, you know, really forge a path for that brand. So we, we were able to, um, build up the box chocolates to a point where, we were we, we opened up another store in Washington DC. That's where we all lived at the time before we moved back to Pittsburgh and and that's where we had our career. And then we we got we were featured in a local magazine and the most incredible thing happened was that um, the candy buyer at Costco, she had just become the new candy buyer. She read the magazine and she happened to grow up in Pittsburgh and she knew of the story of the milkshake factory and which is our retail store here in the city and it's her favorite store to bring her eight-year-old son back and he loves milkshakes so he came when she comes visit her when she comes to visit her parents in pittsburgh she brings her son and they go to the milkshake factory and she said this is amazing i read the story you got to get these siblings in to meet with me at that time we had this idea for a pretzel turtle you know like a epic a traditional chocolate turtle is candies pecan and caramel so we took out the pecans added in a pretzel and we took it to our meeting with Costco and that was, that was the first, you know, that meeting right there completely transformed our business and our lives from that point forward. I mean, it was like everything had changed that day because we showed her the samples. She tried them and she approved them right on the spot. And she went, took them to her boss and we had 81 clubs that we were going to be selling in in the Northeast. But 
we had to figure out how to do that. We had to walk before we ran in terms of working with Costco, learning how to work with Costco. This was a totally new business for us. We were just doing box chocolates previously. Now we're entering into a big market like this working with CPG and these big retailers. And Costco is the biggest in the world. I mean, it is the holy grail of retailers, right? When you're talking about who you, if you could if you could say to most manufacturers who would food manufacturers especially who would you want to work with it would be costco and you know they have been here we are five years later they've been a great partner um, and able to help grow our business they looked at us as a small business and said listen we have to help grow your business over time we just can't we're not going to be the person that just gives you an order and then changes direction we're going to help you grow your business over time and we knew that we had to work on that partnership too from our side we had to be loyal to them like we they were loyal to us and we have been over the last five years and it's been an incredible partnership we now sell in um, almost every costco worldwide we sell in korea japan we sell in 12 different countries 40 now we're we, we outside of costco we knew we had to diversify and go to other um, grocery stores and other retailers so we sell in almost 40,000 retailers in the united states so it's been a huge transformation in a short amount of time but it all started with that with that one moment that we had and this idea for this product and it was a great quality product too and this is along the lines of the innovation um, at the time five years ago was very the chocolate trend was changing the chocolate industry was changing in the united states where it was like it was more about snackable items and sweet and salty and it just happened to be that snappers really fit that trend at that time so that's kind of gives a, a long answer to your question yeah. about trends was that you have to really find that right item at that time that consumers are looking for to purchase and it there's flavor profiles right now something that's really popular is obviously um, the non-gmo and the products that are have the perception that they're a little bit healthier for you whether that's organic um, you know the 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 idea that whole foods has kind of launched that that you know that trend of know where it's sourced to know what it's made it's sourced, of all that sustainable stuff. sustainability is huge we actually believe i in our company we have a heavy focus on sustainability and that's something that's very important to us it's about you know being sustainable is not about being organic necessarily it can be the same but it's not necessarily it's about poverty it's about poverty it's about child labor it's about deforestation and those three pillars are what we work on in our business to you know we're going to be you know later next year we're going to be purchasing our first cocoa farm in africa so here we are five years later after being a very small company and you know growing this business over the last five years through our partnerships with costco and others here we are we're going to be we have a really incredible program and a, and a plan to purchase our first uh cocoa farm and and we're going to see how that that will evolve and develop and that will be that will be our this is our entry into sustainability as a company and as a family so my my brother is overseeing the farming operation at some point you can talk with him in more detail about yeah. that but it's a really exciting project that we have working awesome um my question my next question is related to costco and also you know this company started in the industrial revolution we're living through the digital and information revolution right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and when it comes to retail, the story that you told is one that is familiar for those that follow the, the successes in the food industry. Mm -hmm. We got into Costco. We got into a Whole Foods. We got into mm -hmm. one of these major retailers yep. that gave us access to this distribution and allowed mm -hmm. us to scale at a really powerful level. And 
in this digital information age, we're seeing the rise of these direct-to-consumer brands that are more or less skipping that step and using Facebook advertising and online fulfillment to solve that. How, as someone who is looking to innovate and looking to push things forward, and like you said, loyal to Costco and have grown together, how does the direct-to-consumer trend play into your plans for the future of Edward Mark? Yeah, you know, um, the this is something, the digital, like you're talking about, the digital space and everything that has been evolving over the last few years is definitely something that we as a company are connected into, especially like the Amazons of the world. And But, but it's not something right now as we're building a brand. It will be a focus for us in the future. And we keep our eye on things as they're evolving right now what we're doing um we are heavily focused into building the brand at retail we do some direct to consumer business through our website and through uh you know through other channels but it's more about okay what are we going to get out there to create snappers and edward mark chocolatier to be this household brand to really so people recognize what the item is and then um and we used to have a, a heavier focus, and I, I guess I, I guess the one area of the business that is really heavily focused on digital is the box chocolates, because the box chocolates are still they're they're very giftable, and we have a big um, holiday business in the fourth quarter, where through the box chocolates, as people are going through executive gifting or during Christmas giving as gifts. And it's uh, that is mostly done through a website and then also outreach through our executive gift sales team as well. So so I I think with the with digitally, it will be a focus for us in the future. Right now, we're heavily focused into the traditional channels, which is grocery, C store, convenience store, specialty food. And then through those channels, every one of the retailers that we work with, they also have um, they're tied in digitally with online fulfillment, online fulfillment, but then also, um, you know, target has a big, it's called cartwheel. We, you know, people get on there, people order now online or through their apps more, they use, they utilize the app at target. And so we definitely have a, um, you know, a presence there, but really focused on the traditional way to build the brand. And then we'll have a heavily focus on we'll have a heavier focus on digital in the future. And it makes sense that when you elaborated on the Costco buyer bringing her son to the milkshake factory, like yeah. there's there's a component of that that is experiential that mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. they're so tied into the actual food that you're consuming. So it makes sense that that's something that you'll yeah, probably it's always really have a our 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 product itself. It's just like you said. You you need to you need to see it. You want to taste it you want to smell you want to open the bag you want to smell you want to share it and that's a big thing shareability uh, and to do it as a as an occasion where you you're having a a a party at your home a dinner at your home and you you put the product in a bowl or whatever that is that's that's share shareability is huge for us as well but you want to be able to open that bag and smell the product and and visualize it and see it. And it's very, like you said, it's an experience that people want to have in person and not just be able to see on a computer screen. So changing uh, speeds here a little bit and and getting back to this nature of being in the family business, Mm -hmm. having what I'd imagine like previous generations who have also held the reins and kind of looking over the shoulder and then simultaneously 
I'm an only child, but you mm-hmm. hear stories about interacting with brothers and sisters oh, yeah. and delegation of different responsibilities. Talk to what you've learned over the last few years of the nature of family dynamics in a business like this. Yeah. Being in a family business, it's, it's, it's one of the best things and one of the most difficult things. You know, we, my brother and sister and I, we couldn't have built this business without each other. And it's something that, you know, we, what, what works for us doesn't work for everybody, but we have figured out, we sort of cracked the code to what works for us and our family because we have the lanes of our business. We also rely on each other. Like I run all of, I, I oversee sales and marketing, R&D. My sister sort of runs, she's the middle child. She keeps the peace between the two brothers, <laughs> but she also makes, she oversees all the center, like make sure she executes everything flawlessly and make sure the business is run properly in terms of HR and HR recruiting and and the IT space and everything that we're, the you know, glue. the glue. She's like, she really is. She keeps the trains running on time and makes sure everything's done properly and the glue that keeps the, the family together. And then our, my brother oversees manufacturing, operations, finance, and we all sharpen each other when we get into a room. We figure out, we debate things out, and especially Mark and I, we debate things out on a regular basis. And ultimately, we make we we get in a room even if we have a difference of opinion we come to the right decision at the end of the at the end of the debate at the end of the time and that's what's really important is we trust each other there's always that trust there i know i'm always going to get you know i am always going to get a straight answer from him and he's always going to get it from me and the three of us together we feel like we're stronger together it's more of like a you know we we complement each other really well and that's truly, we just don't oversee those areas of the business. That's actually what we're good at. So, and that's how our family business works. And our parents are involved. They're here almost every day. Um, our dad has really transitioned into being on the factory floor every day. He's out there building the equipment. He's out making sure that it's running properly. I mean, he loves being out there on a regular basis. And my mom is more like me on the sales side. So she is always involved in the sales and in the milkshake factory. My mom loves getting out there. She ran that store all by herself for many, many years in the south side of Pittsburgh, and um, in, which is now the milkshake factory. And she ran it as a chocolate shop for many years. And we learned a lot about what, how we sell and how we interact with customers from her because she would always just, she could, she could sell something. She, she just, she knew how to connect with people and she knew what they were looking for. And it was just by herself for many years. So it's, it's something that we, we're, we're very fortunate to have learned from them and then been able to have um, the dynamics in the family where it really seems to work well together. And I really didn't even put all the pieces together until you just said it, but the ability to be in a room where, you know, basically for the rest of your lives, you're going to shoot straight with one another. And you know that you're not just sitting in a room with yes, people who are nodding along because you're the boss. It's people who feel very comfortable challenging you in a hopefully respectful way. And that gets you to the truth more quickly and more efficiently. Yes. And it's something that, you know, and that's right. We, We are challenging each other and it's not easy. And that's the hard part is you don't want people around you to always be in this bubble saying, yes, 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 you're right, you're right. I mean, we don't like that. We actually prefer to have 
some sort of conversation and because it's not always right. I mean, you have to, when you're growing a business like this and you're doing things sometimes for the first time, when you're, it's true entrepreneurship, when you're, when you're clawing your way to the top of the hill every day and that's how it feels and you're and and you're, oh, there's challenges and you have speed bumps, constant speed bumps that you're trying to overcome. You need to have that support from people and you need to put together a good leadership team. And we're lucky that it's my myself, my brother and my sister, but then we've been able to extend that to the to the leadership team that we have hired around us. And now as the company continues to grow, um, we've brought people on that have made us more sophisticated as a company, but also share the same culture and the same mindset and understand it. This place isn't for everybody. We get that. But, you know, it, it's 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 true entrepreneurship, but it's also I feel like everybody that comes here has their has this moment where they're like, oh, man, what did I sign up for? And then they have one moment probably in a meeting or something when maybe it's when my brother and I are debating it out or, you know, we're arguing about something and they're thinking, what is going on here? This, and then, I mean, literally five minutes later, my brother and I can have a big argument. And then five minutes later, we're brothers, you know, so that's that's like you're respectful. Yeah. And then even if there's disagreements you know, we're family first. And we also share that with the rest of the business too. I mean, that that's how, that's how everybody acts around here too. We get into meetings, we debate it out, and then we, we leave all on the same page out of the room. So it's a really, it's a really unique, that's, that's how I feel we've been able to grow so quickly. You know, my brother's an incredible, has an engineering mind, and he's able to build factories and come up with systems. And I'm really focused on the network of and the sales side of things and building a network of people that we can rely on the relationships with the people. And then Dana is able to just make sure all of those things run, all the trains run on time internally when, when we're doing other things. So it, it works really well. So on the sales marketing networking side of things, you have a background, you were in DC in politics. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of things that are different, but there's gotta yeah. be some universal or uh, alignment where you had skills or relevant uh abilities that were developed in that world that have been applied now what are some of those yeah uh, we we talk about this a lot of how we we really had our foundation in the white house in washington dc uh the three of us all worked together there and um, my brother and sister and i we all had we had different different jobs but all worked very closely together um, dana and i were actually in the same office in the white house and um and i went down there first not expecting to eventually get a job at the White House. I worked at the State Department first. I graduated from Duquesne University, got in my car, didn't even go to graduation. I knew I wanted to be in D.C. and started volunteering on on campaign and working on campaigns and then met the right people, ended up getting a job at the State Department. And so this was in my early 20s, and all of us were down there. We really got an incredible education I felt like it was graduate school when I was working down there. I mean, I was down there for, you know, I lived in D.C. for about 15 years, but worked uh, seven or eight years um, in politics and and then worked on three presidential campaigns, had an incredible travel to 80 countries, flew on Air Force One almost every day, had an amazing job. I mean, in my 20s, I'm like, this was like I was living the dream, yeah. right? Traveling around the world and getting to do it with the president of the United States. So it was a really unique time in my life and something that I've always remember. But when the three of us worked together and we really learned how to how to function professionally in that environment and really learned what worked and what didn't, how we'd want to run our own business from some of those some of those things that we learned while we were working in the White House. It was foundational things. It was how we structured things to be organized, 
how we execute on things. That was really important. When you're working with the President of the United States, he's on live television, traveling around the world. I'm traveling with 600 people on an international trip with the President of the United States. The logistics, so we ran all the logistics. We worked with the team that oversaw the logistics and operations for travel for the President. And that was a, you know, to be able to execute doing that and you're literally moving that many people and making sure that there's live television cameras and press corps and everything at the same time. Uh, that was, and work with the different, you work with the U.S. military, work with the Secret Service, work with the, the other White House staffers and other foreign governments. I mean, we would go in and we'd have to, you know, learn, I learned a lot of my diplomacy and diplomatic skills from working with the foreign governments and being able to, you know, travel with the president. So, so that really gave us a great foundation to be able to, to grow a business and something that I take away from that and uh, is we always figured out how to make it work. That was something that really stuck out to me. We never, we didn't really hear the word no. So when you, when, when I talk, I, it, it sounds funny to say it that way, but when I, as an entrepreneur, as you're growing the business, not being able to, you know, you know the path really deep down, you know the path that is the best path for your business. You know your idea where you want to go with it. You have a lot of people coming at you, giving you opinions and everything. You should stay strong to your opinion. You should stay strong to, to your heart and where the, where the business needs to go. But you also have to figure out how to execute. And when for us, like when Costco places an order, that truck, that truck has to pull up at 2 p.m. at the dock. And if it doesn't pull up at 2 p.m. at the dock, they're going to turn the truck away. And you're going to lose that order. And they're going to reject the load and it's going to come back to your facility and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you can't run a business if you don't execute flawlessly. So that's something that we've been very detailed. We've taught our staff and we've focused on how to be completely detailed. And that started at the White House. So that started our career in the White House. That started in politics. And it carries over into the business now. If you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. That's one of the core <laughs> values you got to have as a business. Um, you said something really interesting in that answer, though, that I, I wanted to make sure I grasped onto, which was you, the feeling that after graduation and showing up, you were in graduate school. Yeah. And I received an interesting piece of advice when I was early on what I'm doing, which was um, a, a mentor basically saying to me, you're in grad school. You just don't realize it. And you're not paying for it, which mm -hmm, is great. Mm -hmm. um, and the and I've heard a similar refrain. I was talking to a, a reporter in Pittsburgh here earlier today uh, who was talking about the similar thing, like the first two two years, just feeling like you're drinking from a fire hose, getting your feet settled in the lay of the land before you can really kind of proceed onwards. H have you found that to be the case with a lot of different careers and other professionals that you've spoken to? Like, would, like how would you, to, to the young listeners of this show, explain those first few years out of school and yeah. the kind of salience of just absorbing as much as you can? Yeah, absolutely. When I, I was, I was, I was so hungry to learn when I, when I left, when I was like, that's why I said, I didn't even go to my graduation. I just went, I knew I wanted to be in DC and I knew that's where I wanted to sort of create my career. And I loved politics and really did whatever it took. I would like jump in, I would pull an all nighter if I had to work in an event all night and work all the next day. And then, you know, and do whatever it took and take the experience that you're that you're in, the job that you're in. Think of it like that. Think of it, hey, this is, I'm learning a lot here. This is just like you. There's certain practical, um, practical things that you learn in real life 
outside of a classroom that you can't, you can't learn sitting in a classroom. Absolutely. It's a powerful mindset that people um, can take to any path they choose to go down. Chris, this, this has been great. We're going to aim towards wrapping up. Um, folks will want to obviously taste some chocolate, which we unfortunately can't deliver through the medium of audio. Yeah. Uh, but those that want to learn more about Edward Mark and all the things you guys are up to, uh, what digital coordinates can we point them towards? Yeah, check out um, our website at edwardmark.com. Um, you can also look directly at um, some of our other brands like the milkshakefactory.com or snappers.com. And um, you can learn more about the family and the family business and see where we're sold and and all kinds of all, all of the exciting things that we have going, especially coming next year, the, uh, the sustain, our sustainability initiative in Africa. Awesome. Well, we will be sure to link to all of that in the show notes for this episode. Going deep with Aaron.com slash podcast is the place to find it or just in the app where you're listening to this podcast right now. Um, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for sharing your perspective with us. Before we let you go, I'm going to give you the mic a final time to issue an actionable personal challenge to the audience. Well, I would think um, being an entrepreneur myself, it was kind of what I touched on earlier. I feel like the a, a challenge to people um, if you're an entrepreneur is, you know, know the course. I mean, I, w- I, would, I would highly um, urge people when they have ideas or, you know, there's, they have these innovative ideas to not hear the word no. Don't let people around you say no. Pursue it as, as vigorously and hard as you can until you've completely exhausted everything and all of the all, all and, and have really rolled out that it is not going to work because you never know your idea could be one of the next big ideas that's out there. I love it. Um, this has been fantastic. We just went deep with Chris Edwards. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Uh, I want you to mark your calendars for March 23rd. That is the date of Going Deep Summit 2.0. The first one was a fantastic success, and it is the support of folks who come out to events like that that help make this podcast possible. We've already sold over 40 tickets to the event, which is baffling because at this point in time last year we had yet to sell a single ticket uh, we also have one of the speakers locked down mike dariano who's been on this show three previous times and is an absolutely fantastic blogger and podcaster over at the waiters pad uh, is going to be delivering one of the keynotes for the going deep summit and i am fantastically excited about that you can head over to goingdeepwitharon.com slash event for more information about the event, its sponsors, and previous speakers. We've got old keynotes up on YouTube, and we have tickets available through Eventbrite. Those do go up in price in the coming months, so you're going to want to get those now and mark your calendars, set your travel plans, because it is going to be an event that you are not going to want to miss. A great excuse to come visit Pittsburgh. We already have a couple people coming down from Canada, a couple people coming in from New York. Uh, it is It is going to be bigger and better than the first one. And that first one honestly was one of the best days of my life and a great experience for everyone involved. So hope to see you at the Going Deep Summit. And thank you so much for listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.